You know, this morning, uh, I was a little weary of uh, announcing my topic too early. Um, in case somebody says, oh no, not that subject again. <laughs> or couldn't we have something that just tickles our ears, as the Bible says. So let's get into it, and maybe you will see I'm actually doing you a service uh, because I care about you, and I know God cares about you. So I'm just going to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you. Lord, I just believe firmly that you are speaking to us. You're speaking to me, mighty God, and this word is from you. So, Lord, help us to just deliver it. Help us to receive it, mighty God, and help us to grow in you and grow in faith, we pray. In your precious name, amen. I'm always stuck about whether I should wear my glasses or not. They're reading glasses, so I put them on so I can see what I'm reading, but I can't always see you. So then I want to see you as well. So if you see me going, one, try not to get too distracted. But you'll agree there's much, much more to being a Christian than just being a Christian. We pray for the manifest presence of God in all our services, but do we pray for the manifest presence in our own lives? You know, in our busy lifestyles, how many Christians truly work on developing a closer walk with God, knowing Him, not just knowing about Him? I think when we spend time reading our word, when we spend time praying, sometimes we learn more about him, but we don't necessarily come closer to him. Hopefully we all want to do that. And the good news is the Holy Spirit is waiting patiently to help us succeed. For some, he's waiting very patiently, waiting for you to come back and spend time with us. Now, none of us were saved just to be saved. Sorry about that. None of us can just sit back, put up our feet and say, job done. And it was never God's intention for that way, as you know. Jesus said, you know, in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So the challenge is, are we bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit that will last? Remember the young ruler, the rich young ruler. Uh, out of all that, we think it doesn't apply to us because he was rich and we're not rich. So he was only talking to the rich. But actually, the story and the moral of the story really is that he said, you still lack one thing. And what was that one thing? Anybody want to tell me? Man, come on, guys. He's, Jesus said, you still lack one thing. <laughs> I'll tell you the answer. <laughs> Treasure in heaven. So that, he was asking him to give all that he had away so that he would store up treasure in heaven. Now, how does that fit into us? He might ask us to go and visit our neighbor to store up treasure in heaven. He might ask us to, to um, do something else. You know, you can think of yourself, what does God ask you to do? He asks you to do that so you can store up treasure in heaven. So that story isn't just about rich. It's about storing up treasure in heaven. And of course, if we see in that other verse, so 
My brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. All right? It's interesting that both of those verses you say might bear fruit, almost as if some are going to bear fruit and some aren't going to bear fruit. Ways to reach the lost world are as varied as there are Christians. Hence, we are very much, we very much need God's help. That's the purpose. He wants to help us. He wants us to stay on course, and he wants us to accomplish what he's actually asking us to do. It's never been one size fit all. What God's asking me to do is not going to be what God's asking you to do. He's got a personal um, job or a personal area of ministry for each one of us. We see in Matthew 10, it says, as you go, and, and in this verse, you'll see that he gave the disciples a few options there. It wasn't just go and do this one thing, but he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And I'm sure there was probably a bit more there. So when you think about yourself, okay, how many of us have seen healing of the sick? Probably most of us. How many is God working through you to see the sick healed? How many in this room have raised the dead? All right, later in the service, just nudge the person beside you in case they have fallen asleep. But, you know, we, don't yet, we haven't yet got there. But God was given, uh, God gave the disciples quite a few tasks to undertake. And he does it with us as well. So the scope and variety of Christian ministry is huge. But whatever your calling or ministry, it's from the throne room of God. It's designed to reconcile a loving God with an unsaved and oppressed world. In Revelation, Jesus tells John to write to the churches their pros and cons. And he also said this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In fact, this little phrase is repeated eight times. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So here, it's a, it's an, it's a category. And do we fall into that category? It's repeated. And when something's repeated in the Bible, we know it's very important. But it's, it's saying actually to him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So we have a choice in that to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. When I meet people, I love hearing them in, in a conversation. You're just talking to somebody. I love them when they say, uh, they bring up something from a previous sermon, not usually mine, but they might say, I love what Emma said or John or Sandra or Alan, you know, or uh, Lincoln. They, I just love what they said. And something is stuck in their mind. And, and they just bring it up in conversation. But often, um, our, the sermons are a bit like this picture, where they just sort of sprout wings and fly away. You know, after morning tea's over, we go out the door and we can't even remember what the sermon was about. But, you know, when it impacts us, when it touches our hearts, it can change our lives. You know, the, the, there's an app on our phones, and... Church Unlimited has an app, 
And that's the, the square there in the left there. That's what it looks like if you're looking through your uh, apps when you're doing your search. And then the first box there, you've got church campuses um, on there. So you can click on church campuses, and then you can click uh, Kai Tire. And then up the top there, you can have the sermons. So all the sermons that are preached here, if everything goes right technically, they will appear in a list there. And you can see on the 5th of January, Emma First um, of December, Lincoln, and the others there. So you can actually click on all the sermons that are being preached in here. So you can catch up on them. If you miss something, you can have it there. And they'll just run through. You can just play them through and uh, hear what God is saying. And thank you, Emma, for doing that. We appreciate you doing that each week and putting those up there. It's the Holy Spirit who communicates heaven into our heart. He is the voice of God to us. As Jesus said himself in John, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Father and the Son and in a quiet, loving way, he shares it with us, not just collectively through teaching, you know, uh, preaching, through prophecy or sermons, but personally into our hearts. I asked someone recently how often they hear the Holy Spirit, and they said, oh, probably two or three times in their life. They've heard the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but really that audible voice, not very often. And I'm sure that's not uncommon. Isaiah tells us, though, whether we turn to the right or we turn to the left, our ears will hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. So Isaiah heard God a lot. He, he was, right, the book of Isaiah, anybody read the book of Isaiah? You'll know what I'm saying. The book of Isaiah is just full of God speaking to the nation of Israel uh, Isaiah was attuned to God's voice. But here he's saying that when we make a decision, God's there. When we're at a crossroad in our life, God is actually there. It's, it's not like we even have to ask him to come into that, but we should be asking him what to do. I've said it before that people often say, well, I just had a peace about that. I just had a peace about it. Well, that's good that you had a peace about it, but wouldn't it be just a bit better to have heard what the Holy Spirit was actually saying at that time? Yes, Paul, that's the way I want you to go. Or no, that's not actually what I want you to do. How about this? That is far, far more valuable. So in other words, if you have a decision to make or you're at the crossroad of life, the Holy Spirit will, I'm saying will, speak to you at that time. We need to understand the Holy Spirit is not a lesser, weaker, misshrouded being standing in a corner. He is equal in majesty, equal in power, equal in glory. He is fully God. He hears the Father and speaks directly to us, his children. He doesn't say, the Father says. He says, I say. Why? Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always act in harmony. Now, you might have done it as a child, or your children may do it. They'll come to one parent and say, oh, can I go and play with such and such? And that parent might say, no. 
So not telling the other parent, they go to the other parent and say, can I go and play with such and such? And that parent just might say yes. They will play one off against the other. I had to learn to say, what does your mother say? And that, and that wasn't very helpful to the child. So the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in complete harmony. We can't go to one and not like it and then go to the other. And even though he has appeared as wind, oil, water, a dove, a cloud, or light, he is actually a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. And the New Testament makes this very clear. We read, and there's a list here that's just coming up. He dwells with us. He teaches and brings to remembrance. He bears witness. He convinces of sin. He guides, speaks, declares, inspires the scriptures and speaks through them, calls ministers, sends out workers, forbids certain actions, and intercedes for us. And his personality attributes include... He has a will, a mind, thought, knowledge, words, love. He can be lied to. He can be resisted. He can be grieved. He can be outraged. And he can be blasphemed against. These are all found in the scriptures in the New Testament. The descriptive symbols like wind, tongues of fire, oil, a dove, are only used to communicate the Spirit. It doesn't mean the person of the Holy Spirit looks like his symbols. All right? Likewise, when you get to heaven, Jesus is not going to be a lamb, nor is he going to be the lion out of Narnia. We will meet him as a person in heaven. We will also be able to see Jesus' uh, holes in his hands and in his feet. And as a person, he wants a relationship with all of his children, and that's you and me. But do we want a relationship with him? That's the question. So where do you see yourself? We're just going to put up some choices. Those that already have a close relationship or friendship with the Holy Spirit. Those generally seeking the above. Those not really interested in developing this friendship or aren't aware it's even possible. And those actually resisting him or denying his power or his existence. So the first area, there is intimacy there. You spend time together. You communicate with him, and he shares hidden treasures from his word. Secondly, you know the above is possible. You have read about it, heard it's possible from others, and you want this intimacy. Maybe you have even experienced it to some measure, but you want more. Or thirdly, you are hap happy or unhappy where you are. He can chase you, but you're not going to chase him. Or until today, you didn't even know a personal re relationship with the Holy Spirit was possible. And then fourth, sadly, the last one is far too common in the so-called Christian circles or churches. If anybody is there today, I just uh, I apologize for this message. Because where we fit into this schedule determines how we grow as a Christian. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to become like Christ. 
You can see if you're not interested in spending time with the person of the Holy Spirit, you can't see your life going to grow. But if you are interested in it and you're keen to do that, then he will help you do that. He's not going to be forced. He's not going to force you. He's, going to, he's not going to put your arm up your back at all. But we can actually stop him from working. Stephen, in his speech to the Sanhedrin, the highest council of the ancient Jews at that time, quoted Moses saying, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. They opposed him, and unfortunately, they were successful. As a person, we see the Holy Spirit can be opposed. If he were only a wind or oil or a dove, as I said before, it would be extremely difficult to oppose him. They would either blow past or flow past or fly away, and you wouldn't be able to resist those symbols. Paul said, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grief means to feel pain in body and mind, to suffer mental and physical anguish. And probably many of you are all too familiar with grief, having lost loved ones, and many too early. So just pause there for a minute and just say, can you just think of that grief? And I don't want to dig up anything terrible, but just think that's what the Holy Spirit experiences through people who deny his power and deny he exists. Then Paul warned the church of Thessalonica. He says, do not quench the spirit or do not put, put out the fires, the spirit's fire, as it says in another version. You know, in the early 70s, as teenagers, Sally and I attended a church in Belmont where the spirit began to move powerfully, especially among the young people. Some of the leaders embraced it. Even our pastor embraced it or minister embraced it at that time. But the church wasn't happy. And the board wasn't happy. And everybody just sort of started leaving and meeting at other churches. And, you know, slowly. And then finally they got rid of the minister as well. The Holy Spirit wasn't welcome in that church. And it really closed down and became an, somebody else hired the building and started using the building. You know, the spirit can be quenched, but I'm so grateful that it touched us at that time. And we've been going for the Lord ever since. Amen? Hallelujah. The spirit is wonderful. Isaiah often talked about the loving kindness of the Lord and his mercy towards Israel. But in chapter 63, we read the opposite. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. James said something similar. Do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And I think some of us here probably could quote that verse quite often, the bit, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But he's really saying the spirit there can be grieved. The spirit 
you know, can be quenched. And then he, can say, he says that we can actually come against you if you step over a line. Unkind words towards the Holy Spirit or his work or denying his power causes him to leave. If he is not wanted, he quietly departs, and so does the anointing. Now, I just put up this heading here, and you'll see that's why I was reluctant to announce my theme for this morning, just in case somebody thought, oh, no, not another message on the Holy Spirit, and so unintentionally signaling he wasn't welcome. We've had quite a few messages on the Holy Spirit, and if we don't understand him as a person, if we don't understand that he wants to be part of our life, he wants to be your best friend then we can actually, what we think or can say, can deny, and he knows that, and he can step away. And I wouldn't want that happening in your life. To me, we need more messages or training on who this wonderful person is, because I truly need them. I need them, and surely you need them as well. People recount the great evangelist Catherine Kuhlman on stage sobbing with such agony pleading with the crowd, please don't wound him. She said, he's all I've got. And so we need to be very careful as there's a line that can be crossed where God and the Holy Spirit actually begin to oppose us. And surely nobody wants that. When you get to know him, when you see he is your best friend ever, it's tragic to think that Christians, his children would grieve or attempt to quiet such a lovely person. The more I get to know him and his thoughts, the more I realize I too have actually grieved him, mainly through ignorance. I might have been critical of some other work. I might have been critical of some prophecies. I might have been critical in some way in the past. And he just gently reminds me that I'm being critical of him. As I sat on my bed earlier this week, having my quiet time, I was trying to picture how many people in our congregation really want a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I think about you guys. I think, who actually wants this stuff? Who would actually want to know more about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit didn't actually answer that question, but he brought two verses to mind. The first one was, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And secondly, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Anybody heard that scripture before? And it says, for everyone who asks, receives. And then it says, the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. It's interesting that that personalizes it. God wants us to knock. He wants us to seek. He wants us to ask. But it's up to us. You know, you don't... If we actually go on with that verse, you'll know this is connected to the Holy Spirit because it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Instead, or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you see in there, you see this verse up the top about seeking, knocking, asking. But then he tries to explain it to say, hey, I'm wanting to give you the Holy Spirit. I want you to be asking for the Holy Spirit. I want you to be seeking after the Holy Spirit. And yet we use that verse for everything just about. You know, you need a new car. You need something else. You need some, this, if you know what I mean. But he's really trying to develop us to develop a relationship with him. If we want his anointing, his power to flow in our lives, we need an understanding of actually who he is, how he operates, and how to enter into his fellowship. Searching the scriptures, swatting up on him is important, but it takes effort. Amen? Finding the time to read your Bible, does that take effort and discipline? So sometimes we just make do with our Sunday church experience. And week by week and month by month go by, possibly even years, and we are actually no closer to Him. Ah, I'm talking to myself. Adjusting our timetables and priorities, giving him part of our day is the best way to get to know somebody, including the Holy Spirit, putting yourself in a position to hear his voice. So if you think about it, if you think about your quiet time, if you think about getting, if you do have a quiet time, you get your Bible out and you do your two chapters and you close your Bible, do a bit of prayer and off you go. Have you developed that relationship with a personal friend? But if I was to listen to your phone conversations to your friends or listen to your chatter when he's got, they come around for coffee, I think it would just be a little bit more lively. But God wants to be lively and develop that relationship with us as well. And out of that, a lot of other things flow. So I think we've all got a long way to go, you know, in developing that friendship with him. Hearing his voice. Thirdly, as he has equality with the Godhead, he also deserves our worship just as God the Father and God the Son. We still pray or petition our Father, but we ask the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayers. How should we pray? Lord, I'm bothered about this. Holy Spirit, what should I, what should I be saying? How should I be asking the Father? You know, you, you connect with him. We don't all get our prayers answers. Does anybody get 100% prayers answered? Every time they pray, it's answered. There's one person at the back. Praise God. You know what I mean? The prayers are answered. But sometimes we just have difficulty getting through some areas. But the Holy Spirit wants us to ask Him how to pray. You know, nobody can wave a spiritual wand and place an anointing on you. That only comes with a personal, deep, private encounter with the Holy Spirit. And fourthly, fellowship. Enjoy His company. Sing to Him. Talk to Him. Ask Him questions. Listen to His answers. And then write them down. You know, uh, not picking on Lincoln, but Lincoln spoke honestly at his frustration at me asking him, what the Holy Spirit was saying in a certain situations. And I've said that to others as well, and they also might have felt frustration. 
What do you mean asking the Holy Spirit why I'm not healed? Or what do you mean asking the Holy Spirit about this? You know, but he, want, he has the answer for everything. He knows the answer, and he hasn't given it to me always. Sometimes there's just a blockage, but he can tell us what that blockage is. It's frustrating as we pray and pray and pray. He knows everything. You know, the Father says to Jesus, turn on the light. Jesus flicks the switch. The Holy Spirit is the power that lights the bulb. You think about that. God says, Jesus does, but the Holy Spirit is that connection, that power. The same that parted the Red Sea, that pushed the walls of Jericho Jericho down or over. He turned the water into wine. His Spirit healed the sick, raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit was doing that. Your growth in the Spirit will begin the moment you begin to see that the Spirit of God is truly God. I can't actually repeat that enough because the mental picture of a weak personality has somehow slipped into our psyche for years. He's in charge. He's the leader of the body of Christ. He leads the church. Do a search, if you like, in the Bible. You know, if you have a Bible app or you have a somewhere where you open up the Bible, um, you know, and you can do a search. You put a, a word in or something like that. Put in Holy Spirit. Put in Holy Ghost. Put in Spirit with a capital S, all right? And you will see the vast array of what the Holy Spirit is actually responsible for and responsible to. It's enormous, and he is here wanting that personal relationship with you. I read of the story of a man who attended a conference on the west coast of America, and I'll just read it to you. He says, in the afternoon session, a young man was introduced to sing with a tremendous, well-trained voice. He sang, the king is coming. All the people enjoyed it, and they gave him great applause when he had finished. I don't know how it happened, but in the evening service, a lady sang exactly the same song. Frankly, she didn't look like a singer. Her voice was a little nasal, and some of her notes were off pitch. But she had something else that made up for those deficiencies a thousand times over. By the time she got to the second chorus, people were at their feet. Their hands were... I knew this would happen to me. Their hands were raised to heaven. The power in that place was electric, and it didn't stop when finished. We praised the Lord and praised Him again. Then we began to applaud for the longest time, but we weren't giving the singer an ovation. We were applauding the giver of song. What was the difference? It was the anointing. It was the power of the Spirit in that lady's life. I look forward to that here on a Sunday. The people say our worship is great. Our worship is great. But there's more. You know, when we're just caught up in the Spirit, just worshiping the Heavenly Father. You know, the, I, I don't want to be critical, but I'm a pastor, like I'm a father. And I, and I want to encourage you to, to worship. I battle in my mind. Sometimes worship, my mind thinks about this and thinks about that. And I've got to bring my mind back to worshiping the Lord. And you imagine... If one row's doing it, what the anointing's like, and then two rows, and then eight rows, imagine ten rows worshipping the Lord because they, they love Him. 
It would just be absolutely an electric here. We might not need four songs. We might not need three. We might just stay in one because, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully. You know, how was it possible that the great evangelist Charles Finney could preach the gospel and people would be slain under his power, confessing their sins? What was the power that fell when John Wesley stood on the tombstones and opened his mouth to preach? Or Peter's, Peter's shadow that healed the sick? What caused the cooks in a New York convention center who didn't know she, who she was to fall flat on the floor when Catherine Coleman was ushered through their kitchen to avoid the crowds? Could you imagine that? To avoid the crowds, they take Catherine Coleman through the kitchen to get out a door, and all the cooks in the whole kitchen fell flat on the floor. It was the person of the Holy Spirit that accompanied their ministry and his power was so tangible it couldn't be held back. That same anointing, that same power, that same relationship is available to us, to anyone who is willing to draw near to the person of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want that? Anybody want that in this room? I don't want to out you, but there's about eight people put their hands up. I'll bow my head. And does anybody want that? Does anybody want the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow through them? Can you just put up the slide? I think it's 10. Where are you? Where do you want to be? But I encourage you to be wanting to be in two and the top two. If we were all row second, the second row, this church is going to do amazing. And some of us this year can get into the top row. We're still going to be amazing. But if we're in the third row, we've got a bit of work to do. My prayer is that we hunger for more of God. My prayer is we hunger for more of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that each one of us can... Our shadow can heal the sick as we go into the post shop. It's possible when we come from that place of a personal intimacy with the, the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray. Lord, you love us. And love so often is hard to understand at times. Sometimes we haven't had very good examples of that on earth. But Lord, we know that you love us and you care about us. And wonderful Holy Spirit, you are here. 
You're so close. Just touch our hearts. Help us this week. Help us today. Help us this afternoon to hunger for more of you. And help us to hear your voice. Help us to ask. Help us to fellowship. Help us to learn to speak to you and develop that relationship that you so much want. We're nothing, Lord, without you. We're an empty vessel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if, how do we know? How do we recognize Him? How do we recognize the Holy Spirit? It's as simple as that little voice you hear when you're about to fall asleep. The voice that reminds you, you haven't prayed today. Or he may say, you haven't read the word today. He may even say, you're a little harsh with so-and-so today. Or even, I love you, trust me. Or he brings a scripture, or a song, or a person to mind. He's gently wanting to be part of our lives. Learn to trust those prompts. Learn to take the next step and ask him and thank him what he wants you to do. It's never in a condemning way. It's always in a loving way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, wonderful Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.